So we set our hearts on sitting in meditation and training these minds of ours because the mind which has been well trained has energy. It will have the energy to be able to know and see the truth. So with this opportunity that we have right now, and we establish a mindfulness well with its meditation object, and for example, the in and out breath, and we really train ourselves with those objects. It's natural for our minds to be thinking, to be proliferating, but we just know that it's gone off and then we pull it back and pull it back uh, to what our mindfulness is supposed to be with. This breath, the in and out breath, for example, and we can also use the meditation word Buddha alongside that. Another way of going about it is uh, using wisdom to contemplate. So we can contemplate into this body and use that as our object, and that's fine. And some practitioners, they like to think how life is something that is unsure, but death is sure. And then through reflecting upon that, there's joy, there's happiness which arises. Or others like to look at the feelings that come up, and that's all right as well. And so whatever meditation object that we use, that we contemplate, we think about, we bring our minds to, and that brings about inner peace easily, then we should recollect that object a lot. And it's really important for us to understand this, because otherwise we may get involved in doubts, and uh, that can slow the practice down. So the things that bring about inner aggravation that stir the mind up, that prevent it from becoming peaceful, uh, we likely already know what these things are. And they annoy the mind, and they aggravate it. And there are some teachers who compare it, uh, these things, to being like five different kinds of insects that prevent us from feeling at ease, prevent our minds from being comfortable. And so that's uh, delight and sensuality. And then there's ill will, there's the scatteredness of mind, and then there's doubts, and drowsiness. And these five things are like the five different insects. And so when we know that, then we know that we shouldn't associate with them. But the thing is, is that they're very old friends of ours, these five things. And they've been good friends uh, for many, many lives now. We've taken them as being good friends. But now our minds have a new friend, and that's the friend of this meditation object. And this new friend, it brings about peace and happiness in our minds. So we need to try to keep our minds with this. So when 
we put our efforts into this, we've really trained with the meditation object, then they'll be, our minds will be able to settle into peace. And they can find real states of calm. And then we can use uh, perception and memory and contemplate using that. So for example, looking into this body and bringing up the perception of it being a heap of elements, a heap of something which is inconstant or changing, a heap of something which is not beautiful, or a heap of things which are not me, which are not mine. And when the mind gathers together into peace, and there's a bit of peace, um, then we can call that kanaka samadhi, this minor samadhi or temporary samadhi. And through that, then the heart feels at ease. So we should try to bring the mind um, to that state frequently and trying to keep it um, feeling comfortable at ease. And then when the mind settles deeper into peace and there's more stillness there, then joy, happiness will arise and these things can fill up the heart. So before sitting in meditation, we can try recollecting the goodness, the virtues of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And then through this, then joy should arise within the heart. And so we can practice in this way and really do this consistently, just carry on doing this. And really this way, it is the one way, the one path that can take us to freedom from suffering. And we see how the people in this world, that none of us stay here forever. So therefore we need to try we need to put in our efforts to be building up goodness, to be cultivating skillfulness, and to do this a lot, develop this a lot. And so really set your minds, your hearts on this, and contemplate a lot, and in the end you will understand the truth. And so we can ask ourselves, well, why do we attach to things in the way that we do? We attach to things as being me and mine. And then we separate people out into us and them, me and you. And But do these things actually exist? And that our breath and the breath of others is just the same. This air element, the air element in the bodies of others is no different. An eye element, other people's fire element, the earth element, the water element, it's just the same, it's no different. But still the mind goes and attaches to these things as being me and being you, us and them. And so this becomes the cause for self, and for me and mine, for beings, individuals, um, us and other to arise. So we need to have a lot of mindfulness, mindfulness in the body and the feelings and the mind and the Dhamma, and see that these things are just that. There isn't really any me there. And a mind like this has seen the Dhamma, and it's really amazing at this point. But in the beginning we don't see it so deeply. And we have maybe some kind of a knowledge that these things are not me, not mine, they're not self. 
But this still means that we have gained some understanding into the Dhamma. And so we just carry on contemplating and seeing how all things change. None of it lasts. And then we get the feeling that even if we were to be given or offered everything in this world, we wouldn't want it because we see that it's just something that passes. And instead, what we wish for, what we're trying to seek out, is the Dhamma. And the Dhamma, it's not something that's far away from us. All we have to do is bring about wisdom in our hearts, and then we'll know the truth. So listening to the Dhamma, practicing the Dhamma, this has immense value. And it's really not easy to find the opportunity to listen to the Dhamma. And listening to the Dhamma, it's not something that's easy to come about. We see how in this world there are many, many things that people listen to. And there are many things that people get delighted in, that they get amused by. And these different sense objects, they become the object of delight. And then there's craving that arises. And there's craving for sensuality, craving for having, for becoming, or to not have, or not become. And so this craving just increases. We want more and more, and then we get more and more lost, and more and more delighted in these things. But all that takes us to is old age, sickness, and death, and none of it lasts. And in the end, we're left with nothing at all. So people with intelligence, they'll listen to the Dhamma, and then they'll be able to gain an understanding into samuti, suppositions or conventions, and through this, gain vimuti, liberation. So when we know that the things that we attach to are just conventions, and we have a clear understanding of that, and then uh, through that understanding, we gain vimuti, this liberation, we gain freedom. And so may all of you set your hearts on this.